This is Grown Up With Kids, the parenting and marriage podcast that gives a weekly dose of encouragement, wisdom, and humor for people trying their best to live, love, and laugh more with their families. Thanks for joining us. Hey, hey, this week we're talking about starting the new year with a mission, lessons on parenting from the movie Argo, and how Rachel lit the couch on fire for Christmas. Welcome to a new year of Growing Up With Kids, the podcast. Oh, we're back with our dorky intro. Thank you. So nerdy. That's funny. Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you? I feel pretty good. Yeah? We're in the new year. We're in the new year, uh, which is great. I like new year. Do you? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Shouldn't it be like new beginnings? What do you... yeah. Yeah, I... I like the week between Christmas and New Year's yeah. because there's a lot of downtime, a lot of time to think and read and do things that I always feel like I don't do enough of. Yeah. But then, and I'm always thinking I'm going to get a hundred things done, like clean our closet, which I still have not done. Yeah. Clean the attic. How is that going for us? Fantastic. (laughs) It didn't happen. It didn't happen. So I think the first full week of January is always really hard for me because I feel like I had plans to do all this stuff and have all this free space time. Yeah. And 80% of it didn't happen. And so do you feel disappointed in yourself? I mean, Rachel. No, I'm not disappointed in you. I'm just clarifying. (laughs) I'm not disappointed. I'm just curious. And I'm just looking at you like, you know, I spent 12 months of the year (laughs) being disappointed in myself. (laughs) That's true. That's Um, true. I do feel a little disappointed. Uh, That's not the feeling I feel right now. But it's probably the feeling I'll feel midday on Tuesday or something mm-hmm. when I'm like, oh, I got so much urgent stuff now and I had time last week and I didn't get it done. But it's more just feeling a, a little bit of a sense of dread. And then, you know, I'm a little bit mal- melancholy, not yeah. melancholy. <laughs> You're a thinker. Yeah. Melancholy thinker. I like to be sad. I kind of enjoy it. And so <laughs> going into the new year feels like... This is the like, weirdest thing for me, by the way. Yeah, just, you do not like being sad. I don't. No. And you don't like me being sad. I don't. No. Yeah makes sense i don't really like you being sad right I, i'm just one the moody one <laughs> right so anyway january's coming are you ready for real life again i am super ready really? um tell me about that well i'm ready for everyone to go back to their normal programming like go back to the regular podcast i listen to every morning go back to working out how i want to work out go back to kids in school certain times like Everything sort of ticks along when there's a more rigid schedule. And so over Christmas and New Year's, everyone is home. People are coming into town. Like neighbors come over. We go over to people's houses. It's just like it's a, it's never a dull moment, which is great for mm, three days. And then I'm done. I'm ready for everyone to go back and for the house to be back in order and our schedule to be back in track. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Do you um, have... Like the next three days plan in your head of all the things you want to get done now that we're back on a schedule? Um, no, quite frankly, because I'm so overwhelmed by the amount of things that need to get done that I can't even think about it. Okay. Um, so, so tomorrow at like 930, you'll start yeah, thinking about it? Tomorrow at 930, I'll start freaking out and be like, oh my gosh, I haven't worked out in a month, uh, <laughs> two months, <laughs> and think, gosh, I should do that. And then I do have um, like a breakfast scheduled with a couple of friends, so that'll get me Awesome. Going. Yeah. Which is good. That's really good. Yeah. So last week, I told you before we started recording that I had a new segment I wanted to 
do. Yes. And then I totally forgot while we were recording. Yeah, you bailed. I totally bailed. Yeah. I got to write things down. What was it? Well, I'm going to keep it because I'm not going to do it today. <laughs> I have a new new segment I want to do with you. And this, I'm hoping, is a one-time only segment. Uh-huh. But maybe not. Who are, knows? And are we going to do that today? Or we're going to do it right now. Do a second I don't tease. have intro music. I'm just going to go boop, boop, pop a doop, boop. <laughs> new segment. Okay, go. Here's a new segment. It yeah. is called... Who have you set on fire lately? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, Rachel, who have you set on fire lately? Oh, my gosh. This is so mortifying. <laughs> this segment sucks. <laughs> well, let's, let's uh, let people know what we're talking about. This is so embarrassing. So, we got this really cool little... Um, it's like a pot of fire for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. It looks like almost like cement or... Yeah, it's like a hard round rock. cement thing. It's slightly larger than a mug. It's maybe like five inches in diameter. And um, you fill it with rubbing alcohol, and that becomes the the liquid you burn. And it lasts like 45 minutes. So really cool. The flame gets like three to five inches high above the actual thing. So we had it on the coffee table, which is glass, by the way. And we had it in... Like wait, wait, wait. Is, by the way, because that's an excuse for what's about to happen? Because <laughs> sort of. the coffee I table mean... is on carpet <laughs> and surrounded by couches. I know. <laughs> and curtains. I know. <laughs> but yes, there's a little bit of glass. I, it gave the illusion of safety. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm telling you, this segment totally sucks. <laughs> I'm saying anyway, so... Anyway, so I have a little bit of trouble with fire. By that, I mean I'm a bit of a pyro. Like, I love I love playing with fire. Like, you wouldn't even believe it. And we have a son. One of our sons loves fire as well. It's like, it's super entertaining to watch him. Anyway, so this flame is going, and it's really fun. We are enjoying the moment, and I decide to pour a little bit of rubbing alcohol into it. It clearly says in the directions, do not add any liquid while aflame. I don't think that's really that directive. I feel like it's more of a suggestion. And so I decided to to play with it a little bit because it was safe. It was on a coffee table that was glass. So I poured a little bit of the liquid in probably like 12 inches above the flame. And it like shot up really cool. And then it kind of like spilled over onto the glass that it was sitting on. So is the flame on the glass? Uh, there was a little bit of flame on the glass, that's and I was cool. like, "Ooh, that's neat!" And it's and it went for a little bit until all of the liquid dissipated, and then it went out. So I did that twice, and it was totally safe. And then the third time, I was like, "Hey, son, watch this!" And I did it a little bit higher and like a little bit over, like to the left, a little bit further. That's beside the point. I'm not totally sure what the physics are or how this happened, but when I poured it, it's almost like it connected with the bottle and like shot out at our son. <laughs> As I'm saying this, I'm realizing like I hope no one calls the authorities on me. <laughs> he was fine. He was. Okay, so he will okay, so the fire shoots out at him. He like covers his face and he runs. Like, he has the wherewithal to get up and, like, runs to get the fire extinguisher. In the meantime, the couch cushion is on fire. (laughs) So I, like, sat on the couch cushion and, like, folded it over. So the fire went out immediately. Thankfully, it didn't get any curtains. I mean, this could have been really bad. Yeah. So 
Anyway, I put that fire out. Our son comes back with the fire extinguisher, and all the fires are out. And we sit there, and I'm like, it reeks like burnt hair. Like, And we look at his arm, and his arm hair is gone, and his hair on his head is singed. I mean, uh, on one side, yes, on one side, it was not on the whole head, thankfully, yeah. but I could not believe what a terrible mother I was. But here's the worst part that made me feel even worse. So I lit my son on fire, right? And then I laughed because that's what I do in uncomfortable situations. He seemed to think it was funny. I wasn't well, there, but when I got home, he thought it was funny. Yeah, because I, I had worked through it a good bit by the time you got gotcha. home. So we went to the bathroom, and I was like, let's take a look at your hair. Like, let's make everything, make sure everything's okay. But in the meantime, I'm holding everything in me. Like, I can't, I can hardly hold a straight face. And I just finally, I was like, this is so funny. This is so funny. <laughs> and I was so funny. And he kind of like stared back at me and gave me like a smirk. And I was like, oh, it's not funny, but I can't stop. <laughs> this is awful. <laughs> and so anyway, we got it taken care of. It's fine. He was fine. And then even today, I'm still apologizing. I I mean, I went to him and was like, hey, I just want you to know I'm really, really sorry I lit you on fire. It was just out of a desire for entertainment. And I, I'm really mostly sorry that I laughed right afterward i just it's just what i do i'm really sorry yeah you know anyway that's how that um that's how that went so that segment totally sucks <laughs> <laughs> well we'll retire that segment because i can't imagine we'll set anyone else on fire <laughs> well, he's fine who knows he's who fine knows? the only thing he said to me about it was is he got a jersey for his for christmas and he'd been wearing it every single day, and it never smelled bad to him. But then all of a sudden, he's like, it smells a little bit like fire, Dad. Can you wash it? And so I washed his jersey for him, and that was it. Which, by the way, everyone can thank us for. Because when you wear a jersey seven days in a yeah. row... It had already smelled. It's bound to be a little on the rough side. Yeah. That's what I find over the holidays. I wear the same sweatshirt every morning. Because <laughs> yeah. I wake up, and we're just sitting around, and it's cold and in our house, because I'm cheap. And, you know, so... Like three or four days after Christmas, I realize, oh man, this really needs to take. <laughs> like, like I shower every day and change out of that, but it's like yeah. every morning I'm wearing it, and then finally, you know, that's kind of laundry needs f- to be done. That's kind of how I feel about our house right now. Like, I kind of just want to burn everything because it smells so bad. Like yeah. everything feels just grimy and gross because everybody's been in here so much. Our our poor house needs a break. Our our poor mom, I think, needs a break. <laughs> I think it's been a lot. I think so too. I think it's time. I'm kind of done. I'm done baking. I'm done cooking. Well done, good yeah. and faithful servants. But I'm done. <laughs> the holidays were great. December was great. Let's let's start a new year. And for the love of God, I need to stop eating. Like yeah. that. That over the holidays is so bad. Right. So that is a decent transition into this idea of New Year's resolutions, which we're not big resolution people. Yeah, and we're not big resolution people because we never keep them past a week. Yeah, <laughs> which is pretty normal. We admitted our failures a long yeah. time ago. We set some goals, but we don't really do it well around New Year's, certainly. Um, do you have any New Year's resolutions right now? I'm afraid to even call it a New Year's resolution because I know that if I do, I'm setting myself up for failure. But I have printed out a calendar. I was inspired by a friend of yours who has worked out 220 days or something in a row. Something crazy like that, yeah. And, like, got really fit and whatever. And he so looks, He looks amazing. He lost weight. He's like, And he said he, he was like, 
mentally felt better. It was, it was really cool to see. So that is what I want to do. I'm just going to start with like 100 days because the reality is that another break is coming my way um, in the summer with all the kids home all the time. We're going to be going 100 miles an hour and traveling and whatnot. So it's going to be a, a different schedule. So I've limited it to 100 days of just seeing what happens. If I can move um, rigorously for 30 minutes a day. Just to see. Yeah. I think you can do it. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited about it, too. I'm hoping that I'll have mental clarity. Oh. You said to... that sort of like you're mocking it. <laughs> I've mocked it in the past. I make fun of people who are like, oh, I'm so mentally clear. You the know? mental clarity comes from having good exercise every day? Yeah. Like, I bet that's true. Yeah. I, I bet if we so. got enough rest and you exercise. Yeah, there is that. Um, so. And if we didn't drink any... Um, Alcohol, like I think that would be helpful. There are yeah. a lot of factors. I think. Well, we don't drink a ton of alcohol, which means when we do have like two beers, yeah, we both wake up feeling terrible. Yes, Is exactly. We're total lightweights because we hardly ever drink. Yeah. So my, I am. I said we're not resolution people. I'm actually. I love making resolutions. Yeah, but can can I say something really quickly? Absolutely. So the thing about you is that you don't have just a resolution around New Year's. Uh-huh. You make resolutions all the blessed time. You're and that is not a fault of you. Like I'm not making. I usually make fun of you. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not making fun of you in this because you're very goal oriented. You're like, we're gonna do this and we're gonna do it. Like, and then how long do I stick to it? Well, some things you stick to a really long time. Yeah. Like. For instance, you decided one day four years ago, almost four years ago, not to drink Coke anymore, and you haven't, Yeah. and you stopped five, cold turkey. almost five. Has it all, almost been five In years? March, yeah. March or April, it was like the 23rd of one of those months, um, and well, I just decided it. I was Like, I had a ton of Coke that day, and I was like, I'm done. Yeah. It was weird. And, well, and I think one of the factors for you that keeps you moving with a goal is that you saw our kids wanting to have Coke and knowing I don't want them to form that habit. And so, like, you will do anything for the kids. Yeah, it helps to have motivation that feels like future guilt. (laughs) I'm motivated by that. (laughs) Yeah. But I was going to say, so a lot of New Year's time periods, I will make four resolutions for four different areas of my life. Like, they talk about, you have some work goals and some personal goals and some workout goals, right? And so... None of them make it to February. (laughs) So I've made one. It wasn't even really a resolution. It was the day after Christmas because we had eaten kind of poorly for a couple days. Kind of. And I just was like, I'm going to drink more water. I haven't drank a lot of water since October. I've been drinking like coffee and seltzer, which I guess is water with Uh, bubbles in it. Yeah. But not in large quantities. And I was just like, I'm going to drink a lot of water. And so I put a glass in our restroom. Our bathroom is what you call it in your house. <laughs> Do what people it? call it restroom when it's in your house? No. I'm an idiot. Okay. <laughs> I think well, a restroom is call public. It a, or they call it a powder bath. Is a pa- Can you have a full powder, a bathroom that's called a powder bath? Oh, good question. Uh, not a great question. But <laughs> 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 so anyway, uh, I put this glass in our bathroom, and every time I go to the restroom, whether I'm going to the restroom or like going to brush my teeth or go get something. Yeah. I make myself drink somewhere between a half and a full glass of water. Wow. And I found that some, it's almost Pavlovian. So our bathroom upstairs, our master bathroom, I have to go through to get to our closet. And sometimes I'll be going to get clothes and I will come back and be like, I need a glass of water. Oh, and I will interesting. Drink. And it's, 
it's self-perpetuating because every time I go to the restroom, I drink more water, which makes me have to go to the restroom more. Yeah. I was going to say, like, you deplete and then you refill. Yeah. And so we'll see if I can keep it up at work. Um, because just, you can't keep a personal glass in the bathroom. <laughs> right. at work so I have to like carry actually... my coffee mug, <laughs> not to get water out of the restroom, but like go to the restroom and then go to our kitchen, get some nice water, yeah, cold water, drink, it's... drink a mug of water and then go back to work. It's more work at places where you actually do call it the restroom and not the bathroom. You can't <laughs> or the powder keep... room. Yeah. You can't keep a personal glass in a restroom, but you can in your bathroom at home. That's right. I'm going to start telling people at work though. Hey, I'm going to the powder room. <laughs> You think that's weird? Yes. So anyway, I'm going to try to drink more water. I don't even have a goal necessarily of like number of glasses. It's just if if I have a trigger and I'm just every time I use the restroom, I'm going to drink some more water. Yeah. And I think I'll also every time I finish coffee, I'll drink a glass or two of water. I think that'll keep me more hydrated. Yeah. And, and it'll be nice. And that's your single-minded goal for the new year. Right like now. That's what you're doing right now. Yes. Yeah. I'm just going to have one too. That's all. Yeah. Not the not yours, the yours is one. much harder than mine, but I'm going to try. Well, to... we don't have to say that. I mean, I'm already <laughs> discouraged. No no, 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 no. Like you work out way more than I do already. No, and so working out um, or being active as much as you are, I couldn't do. That's what I meant by that. Well, but that... I'm going to try to do it a couple of days a week with you. That's yeah, yeah. Semi resolution. Yeah. The resolution started with you and me waking up at 6.15 every morning to work out together then, for like five days a week. Yeah, and then we were like, wait a minute. <laughs> How about if we just re- walk for 30 minutes <laughs> sometime? <laughs> Sometimes we're going to walk somewhere. That's what our resolution should be. Yeah. So encouragement to all of you. Some people listening might be real goal-oriented people and good at resolutions, and some of us may not be. So pick one thing and do that one thing. Yes. One thing. One thing well. And that kind of idea of focus and simplicity is what I want to talk about with the rest of our time. So do you remember the movie Argo? Yes. That's with like the airplane and like saving people. So. Or no, no, no. Never mind. You tell us. There is an airplane and they do save people. Okay. Uh, there <laughs> so are no, not totally off. <laughs> no. It's the Ben Affleck movie. I think he directed it and he might have won Best Director. Um, he may not have. He might have been nominated. Uh, I think he won Best Picture. And it was based. It's based on a true story, and I think it's the movie's reasonably close to true, uh, to the facts. And it was about during the Iran hostage uh, crisis in '79 through '81 timeframe. There were six Americans, I think, that ended up being um, hidden in the Canadian embassy. Yes, it's all coming back to me now. Yeah, so real quick, so the CIA comes up with this plan to pretend that they're making a movie in Iran and for that movie crew to be made up of some people who are actually maybe movie people, but mostly CIA people, and they go, they get those uh, people who are hiding, who are not hostages, but they're looking for them and want to make them hostages, and get them out of the country. Yeah, um, they're like, how many, six of them? There are six of them. So the reason we had this conversation in 2013 when we saw the movie, I think it came out in 2012, um, but I was just reminded of it recently when I was thinking about how I want to make 16 goals, but I'm going to make one goal, uh, because it was a similar thought when I watched that movie. It's really tense. It's well done. You're sitting there thinking that this guy, um, I, I can't remember if it's Tony Mendez, I think his last name is Mendez, is the main character. Like He's really working to change people's lives and to literally save their lives. Right. Um, and then you get to the end of the movie, and I just had this moment when I realized that was really cool, really heroic, and it was also just about six people. Like, right. they saved six people's lives. And I'm not discounting that that's really important. And that's what triggered in my head was, wait, 
what if I in my life had a really positive impact on six people? Would that be amazing? Yeah. Like heroic. Yeah, it would be great. Like if there were six people in the world who were like, I wouldn't be the same person like, except for David's impact on my life. Right. That'd be pretty great. And guess what? There are four other people <laughs> living in this house. I only have to find two more people. <laughs> I only need to impact two more. <laughs> no, but so what I kind of wanted to talk about is in the context of marriage um, and parenting to go into the new year, instead of having 50 resolutions about how I'm going to read for four hours with each of my kids, or I'm going to stop having letting them have screen time, or all these other things that might seem like great ideas, and maybe they are great ideas, but really could be a burden or unattainable, is I really want to go into the new year with a sense of mission. This idea that mm-hmm. there are four people and one socially awkward dog in my house, <laughs> and those are the people who I am going to you know, make a difference you know, yeah. every day in their lives, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you're building up these kids who will become people. I mean, that's like, I, I just forget that so frequently. And what what a huge impact I have in just the small day-to-day things. Um, namely, like I think about how I talk with them, how I, how sharp I am with my words and um, how how patient or impatient I am. I feel like, um, I feel like it's really easy to forget the most important single-minded thing that I should be focused on. Yeah. And I think part of it is for me, and I don't know if you feel this, you may not, um, or if anyone listening feels this, is I often forget how much it matters. Like, I make a lot of jokes on this podcast and even in our private life around, like, <laughs> how more important you are and how, like, more skilled you are in a lot of ways. And those are grounded in truth like you do more around our house you're spend more time with our kids you're more thoughtful about a lot of the things that we do with them um and that's fine to acknowledge that and to honor the work that you do and say you know we would not be the same family without rachel but i also uh need to say what i do matters right yes and i am an important part of this family even if i spend a little less time here or a lot less time i'm just important my influence with the kids is important the words I say, the words I don't say, mm-hmm. um, you know, both the words I avoid saying because I don't need to say them and they're not helpful, but also when I hold back on saying positive things or things that could be helpful, like that matters. Yeah. And so um, I need to step into that with meaning. And it matters between you and me, right? Like I have the opportunity um, to be encouragement to you, to speak truth to you when you don't necessarily see it to, uh, you know, laugh with you, to Mm. honor you. Um, And that plays out benefits in your life um, and in your heart, but it also means that it flows over into how our kids feel and are treated by you. Mm -hmm. It also has a positive impact in your relationships because if you're in a better marriage and in a place where I'm listening to you well, supporting you, encouraging you, um, like you're going to have a better impact on other people. And and the the reverse is true, right? Like you Mm -hmm. have a lot of power when you uh, on on me in a, mm-hmm. in a good way, like you can make me a better person. Right. Absolutely. So what would you say, like being the dad, I think, well, one thing that I would like to opine on is that I think that dads get caught in the crux of thinking, uh, I need to work to support the family. Or there's like this American way of thinking that the man needs to work and the woman needs is for the children. 
Which does make some sense. Sometimes that aligns with the gifting of each spouse. However, how would you say you initiate, give some practical examples about how you initiate that endeavor in our family of um, being with our kids well, being with me well. Sure. Uh, and, and the one thing I would say to what you added is whether you're a stay-at-home dad or you're a situation where the husband's the only one working or you're both working, like both people have important roles and voices. And mm-hmm. so a father um, can offer things uh, that are unique and different to their children um, and need to step into that. And so that's part of it is not j- just, oh, you're here and so I have to be intentional about X, Y, or Z. It's like you have things to offer our kids that I can't offer them and I have things to offer our kids that you can't offer them. And so yes. that's that. That's one of those things. Um, for us, we have three boys um, and they respond to us differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and each boy is different. They're not a monolith, but um, they definitely need like a physical touch from me. So wrestling, it doesn't have to be gentle. Yeah. <laughs> physical it is touch. Not gentle. Although, you know, putting my arm around them and just like hugging them is good too. And snuggling, um, especially with two of them right now who are just like in snuggly moods a lot of the time. Or it, leaning moods. Can we just say that? Like, <laughs> yeah, they it's like not the, even snuggling. It's just like this constant leaning. Yeah. But, um, so I think that's one thing is just that kind of physical rambunctiousness and kind of safe environment to be, um, a little, uh, you know, loud and, and roll around and that whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like they know that they can kind of hit and get hit in a place that they're not really going to get too hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a good and just growing experience for them. So I think that's one thing um, practically that's good for me. I do think um, this may not be always true, but I think generally men are more easily distracted by technology. So one of the things... Uh, that I can really model for our family is being really present and not um, having my phone out at dinner. Mm. You know, I like to listen to podcasts when I'm doing dishes and things like that, which I think is fine. But it's like if we're all around, usually that's because you're, if I'm doing the dishes, it means you're putting the kids to bed that night. And so they're all upstairs. And so it is kind of just my time. But it's like if we're all around, like even this evening, you guys were watching something and I was doing dishes and I was a little tempted to be like, oh, I want to be distracted. I was yeah. like, no, do this as quickly as possible and go sit with you guys. Yeah. Um, so modeling. Does it change how you do dishes when you're not listening to a podcast? Yeah, do them faster. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> and they're, do you, they're less enjoyable. I also find that when, I'm, um, when I have my earbuds out and I'm doing dishes or I'm doing something around the house with the boys and I... I pretty consistently feel like I'm still part of whatever they're doing, even though yes. there's stuff that I need to get done. No, if I have earbuds I'm, in, I'm totally not part of what's going on. Right. I'm totally checked out. Yeah. So I think that's a real practical thing, which is modeling uh, good boundaries around technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and even like today, we ended up watching a decent amount of football because it's the playoffs. We don't really watch a ton of regular season football. Right. Um, but we did it as a family. And we're just all kind of like snuggling there and hanging out. Right. Um, it's a much more communal experience than letting each of us go look at a, you know, a iPad or whatever. Yeah, and there's something that I noticed recently. I don't remember what the exact incident was, but there was something that was, um, we were, I think we were maybe watching a show, and it wasn't really a show that everybody likes in the family, but you invited two of the other boys to come in and watch it with us. And so all three boys ended up being in there, not because the show was so great or because, there was something interesting that everybody loved, but because there was an invitation, 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's... So they a, felt wanted? Yeah, they felt wanted. And I think that's a really big part of it is, like, I have a temptation to think that, like, I'm not going to invite someone else in because it's not exactly what they love or it's just like we all have different interests. And so there's this temptation to say, well, we should just do our own thing, our own individual screens or our own individual books. But, but really I think what our kids are longing for and what I long for from you is that invitation to say, come along, I'm doing something cool. Yeah. Even though I don't think it's cool. Yeah. I want the invitation. Right. Yeah. You want to be there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was talking to a friend recently who said something like that, like we were joking about doing something that he doesn't like doing, and he was like, you know, we joke about that, but if you do that, I will go, because your friendship means that much to me. Yeah, And I think it's the same thing with our kids, of, and our spouses, it should be. Like, we should, you and I should both be willing to do things that the other likes more, right. because the relationship is that important. Right. And we're, we're running a little short on time, but the last thing I would say that I can, you know, that I try to focus on is a little bit of a callback from a couple episodes ago when we talked about um, teaching the art of conversation, which is listening well to our kids, asking them questions one-on-one, which I I don't get a ton of one-on-one time with them. Yeah. Uh, And it doesn't have to be these super deep conversations. It really could be like, oh, tell me about what you did in gym. And because they love talking about PE and the games they play, but teaching them that they are, I am interested in them and their lives and that what they experience is important and valuable so that as they grow up, they will expect that from other people that, especially significant others someday, that they should um, find someone who's interested in them and is going to ask them questions and cares about them. But then the flip side of that is teaching them that skill of this is what it looks like to ask questions. And we've seen that a little bit where our kids are getting better at asking us questions, and sometimes we're surprised. Yeah. But that's a great skill so that they can be someone who pursues people and pursues relationships and friendships yeah. and knows how to get to know people and communicate interest. Yeah. Um, and so that's a really important... And I think that goes back to those... Um, you know, remember the, the cohort study and those like relatively simple things? Like One of those things was communicating uh, emotional warmth, and so yeah. that's all part of that. Yeah, and I think that starts when kids are really, really young. Like, you're engaged with them, and you respond to their faces when they smile, right? And as they get older, I think, like, when they're two and three years old, you're teaching them how to respond to questions, and you're teaching them essentially how to have a good conversation, but you're teaching them how to engage. And so sometimes that means you say, hey, let me share with you this really cool thing. You sort of invite them into the conversation, and then you say, hey, here's how you need to ask me about what I just told you. And you give them the words. Like, it's such a sweet gift and such an act of generosity to give them the words because they really want to be part of the engagement. Um, And so then they they practice that. So when they get older, they do begin to understand and realize, oh, I'm part of this. I've been invited, and this feels good. And my dad showed me that I'm invited. Even though I don't like what my dad's doing, I like him, and I'll do things for him. So I think... I think that's a really impactful thing to think about and kind of draws me to um, sort of the ease of, I don't know, there's like a level of simplicity that's really appealing about what you were just talking about, just like saying, if I have impact on six people in my life, that's really heroic, you know? And so what kind of impact do I really want to have, um, starting with the people in my house Um, makes me start thinking about how I'm living my everyday life in a heroic way. Like, am I being 
am I putting courage into these boys? Yeah. Yeah, because we have a lot of time week in and week out with our family, our spouses, and our kids. Yeah. But that time is going to fly by. Like yeah. Our kids are going to be heading to college before we oh, want. <laughs> don't say it. No. <laughs> so. Although some days I'm like, oh, my gosh, when you're leaving. <laughs> I mean, honest truth. Yeah. So with that, I just want to encourage everybody to have a sense of mission um, and that that mission can be really focused on simple things of really being present with their spouses and their kids, um, of listening and speaking honestly and putting courage into, especially your kids, but I think your spouse as well, like encouraging them, offering them words that put courage in them to go out and be who they're supposed to be at school that day or at their work. Um, so let's yeah. start the year with a mission. Here we go. I like the mission, the Argo mission. Booyah. <laughs> All right. You want to do a little stat of the week? Yes, always. All right, Rach, you ready for the Rach. stat of the week? <laughs> Rach. Yes. All yes, right. I am. We're not resolution people, apparently. Yeah. But I did want to do a stat of the week about New Year's resolutions. Yes. I, I just would like to add in, after a minute of thinking about it, that I wish I were a resolution person. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I admire people who make resolutions and keep them. Yes. So that's literally what my stat of the week is about, which is, <laughs> what percentage of New Year's resolutions do you think get accomplished? Like fully, 100%. 100%. Oh, man. 10%. By the way, sorry, I just had the thought. <laughs> Do you remember that shit game, Card Sharks? No. I mean, I know the name of it, but I don't know how it's It was played. like they would ask a question about a survey, and then one person would pick a percentage, and the other person would pick higher or lower, and then yeah. they have cards on the board. Anyway. You want to play Card Shark right I kinda now? I kind of want to play Card Shark. <laughs> I think that in your, like, if you were to come back as some reincarnated something, yeah. you would be a game show host. I wish. It would be Man. so great. You would be great at yeah. that. I'm really sad. Alex Trebek has cancer. He's not doing well, apparently. Oh, I know. That's terrible. I, we grew up watching that show uh, before dinner. We used to eat dinner late, um, and it was on at like 7 or something. And That's we would, great. My parents would be finishing up dinner, and we'd be watching it. And my yeah. dad used to know like 70% of the answers. It was crazy. That is. I don't, I don't doubt it, though. Yeah. He's a bright guy. Anyway, what percentage? You said anyway, 10%. Yeah. That, that resolutions are of resolutions that are kept. Yes, that's very, very, very close. Do you really want to put well a card done. up? I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's a jack. It's below a jack. No, um, the answer is 8%. Really? So like 1 out of 12. I felt like I was being, I, I, I felt like 10% was really low, but 8%. Oh, 10%, Ooh. I would have thought it was high. I mean, it is apparently slightly high. <laughs> no, but, but if you would ask, if you had flipped and you would ask me, I would have said like 3% probably. Really? Partially because I make 16 resolutions and keep none of them. So, <laughs> I mean, 8% is still one out of every 12 resolutions. Um, yeah. Which, which isn't great, but. So this is funny because I found this stat. I think it's mildly dubious, actually, which uh -huh. most of the stats I, I find the word dubious. are mildly dubious. Could that be my word of the year? Sure. Dubious. <laughs> my whole year is going to be dubious. It's doubtful it's even happening. So um, in one of the articles I was looking at about this, I saw this stat thrown out that 80% of resolutions are abandoned by, when do you think? Ooh, January 17th. Ooh, you are more cynical. It was actually by the end of January, so by the oh, first really? week of February, yeah. 
But I saw that in an article on Forbes from December 2018, and they cited as their source an article from Business Insider from January 2017, so essentially a year, two years earlier. And they cited their source as the U.S. News and World Report from December 2015. Oh and that article doesn't mention any source or provide any evidence for this 80% number. <laughs> just made it up. It's just, that's how statistics get spread as, as truths when they're not. That's what I love about you is because you love stats so much. You like, you research where did this actually come from? Well, so they the provided things, the link and I was like, okay, well, what did they say? And they're like, oh, they went to a different link. Well, and then what, that link, I don't know. <laughs> what the listeners need to know is that when David says stat of the week, he's actually done some research. Yeah, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> So anyway, this week's stat of the week, maybe a stat or not. Who knows? Who knows? It's based on a true story. <laughs> yeah, loosely. All right, so this has been good. Welcome to 2020. Man, thank you. And uh, for our listeners, thank you for listening. We are thrilled that you continue to stick with us and um, would love it if you could share this. Uh, we want to offer encouragement to other parents and other folks wrestling through life with kids and marriage and all the mess. Um, so send this along to a friend. Yeah, and if you like what you're hearing, go ahead and rate us on iTunes or wherever you listen to uh, your podcast. Yes. All right. Rach, thanks for working on the farm. Rach. Hey, David, thanks for working on the farm. <laughs> Check ya. <you. laughs>